spoken name. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed at that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins where it all came from since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional materials. You wake up one morning after not reading a book since your school days and you decide to be a writer. With no good or bad writing to compare against your own, you just know how to write and anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. Hell, maybe they're jealous of your natural ability to craft the masterpiece. After all, most people need to learn through a combination of books, courses, critical feedback and workshops. Not you, though. It's not their fault. They don't realise your natural talent, but they soon will. How to Write Wrong is the new book by Amanda Steele. The book, which is an interactive story, gives the reader multiple options throughout its story. The book can be purchased from Amazon. Spoken Label. Thank you today for tuning in to Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and as of recording has over 200 sessions in our archive. Although the podcast can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube and literally 10 or 11 other networks, the full archive can be found at Spoken Label all one word spoken label dot bandcamp dot com on the bandcamp it is set as pay what you want so you are entitled if you wish you can download it or stream it for nothing but if you throw me a couple of pennies my way it is always eternally grateful to help me maintain the operating costs and future running plots for the podcast enjoy spoken label Hi guys, Andy N, Spoken Label, back in the house. I'm back on Zoom again today, and what I love about Spoken Label is referrals. A dear friend of mine and my partner Amanda's, Randy, I've referred this gentleman over to me today, we'll chat him to. And he's a rem, currently based over in Buxton, aren't you, Don? So, you want to tell everybody who you are, and where, you're all, where you come from originally. I know you're not from Buxton originally, and where your creativity started on, let's take it from there. Okay, thanks Andy. Um, I'm Don Dolby. Um, I originate from Leicestershire. I was born in a little town called Melton Mowbray in, in Leicestershire. Uh, didn't, family didn't stay there that long. Moved, moved, uh, the family moved down to London, uh, West London, when I was about seven. So I did all my growing up and lived a lot of my life around West London and then later in Buckinghamshire. Uh, had our family in Buckinghamshire in High Wycombe, uh, came back up to Leicestershire about 2009 for a few years, and then five years ago moved to Buxton. What drew, um, what drew you and your wife to Buxton then? Uh, we'd always liked the area, like the Peak District. Um, also, we, uh, we'd moved to a house in Shepshed just to keep a base in England because we, were, we had a house that, in France at the time that we spent a lot of time in. 
Um, but we wanted, partly we wanted something with a bit more character and we liked Buxton as a town. So yeah, it's nice. we started looking around. Yeah, it's a lovely area. Not been about for a few years. I do like it on there a lot to do. Yeah. So, yeah, good choice, certain. So. But uh, coincidentally, uh, both of our sons are up this way as well now. So are they? Oh, good. <laughs> for one reason or another, we've all moved up this way. I've got one son with granddaughters in Glossop and another one in New Mills. Oh, that's not too bad. You've got, well, you've got them both trained well then, haven't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I can't right. blame you. Now, obviously, we're here to talk today to say about your writing, really. So you were telling me before, you've been writing, I mean, you're one way or another nearly all your life. So can you remember where your first, your first poems originally came from? Um, I think it was probably the, the first poem that I've got uh, on record that I can remember is, was written in about 1970. And that was basically written about Melton Mowbray as a nostalgia thing. Um, when we left, uh, for many years after that, I went back to grandparents and friends and that, but eventually you lose touch with, with your roots in that sense. Um, so that was the first sort of uh, uh, inspiration to write about somewhere I remembered from when I was a kid. Oh, cool. Cool. And obviously then, like, it's... Um... I know, obviously, you, you told me before, you've been writing on and off, haven't you? So, just life gets in the way, doesn't it? So, and have you yeah. found then, over the last few years, as you're writing, got more, you've had more time, have you, or was it more consistent? Um, partly, partly time. Um, late, I mean, um, for the first 20 years or so of, of writing poems on and off, and as I, uh, as I said, I had a few years, you know, spells of a few years where you don't write anything. But a lot of it, as, as I guess with a lot of poets, came from being able to write things down uh, that you, didn't, you wouldn't necessarily say out loud. So that, that's a, perhaps a common theme, but that's, that's where a lot of so it's So a lot of it became sort of personal thoughts and quite sort of personal poems. But then... Uh, you know, events, writing about events and that. So, but recently I've had, now I'm retired actually from work, so the last few years, so it gives you more time to think about things and write about things. Um, but also I find the uh, going to a regular group, poetry group or uh, different sorts, that also gives you the stimulation to keep trying to write something new. Yeah, it does uh, to me as well. It's, and it's also the do you think it's also the interaction with writers as well, isn't it? You're, you're in, the, in an environment, aren't you, where you feel like it's, oh, I must write something for the while I've got it like that, yeah. Yes, definitely. It's, uh, and yeah, you pick up ideas from other people. I mean, you try and, I've never had any formal tuition in writing. I've just written what I feel. Um, that's the um, best way. <laughs> and I like it that way. Yeah, that's right. Oh, in fact, I've actually sort of actively shied away from going on creative writing courses for that reason, because I want, you know, I'd rather it just be natural and what I feel at the time. Uh, it's, it's ironic. I actually did my, I did a degree in creative writing at a university, I'm not going to name, over 20 years ago. And I learned more from going to, I think, if I'm honest, it was writing groups, actually. Right. So it goes, comes and goes, doesn't it, that way? So yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, you um, told me before, obviously, off mic, that uh, the group in question, obviously, is Buxton Spoken Words. So that's the, that's the group you go to more most regular, isn't it? So tell us a bit about that night then, and that, and how the atmosphere in that group you go to. Well, that, I've only been involved with it for about a year or so but it's been running for many years. Um, 
we the person who was organizing it uh, wanted to take a back seat last year so uh, two or three of us got involved in in keeping it going we had to find a change of venue but it basically meets in a local cafe or restaurant or pub whatever suitable venue uh, actually meets in Buxton on on Tuesday nights once a month in normal times <laughs> um, and uh, yeah I mean that's a, it's as simple as that really it's uh, the we normally have anywhere it's normally around about a dozen poets I guess poets and short story writers sure. turn up we we follow what uh, Julian, the originator of it, did in that we only allow original work uh, from people. Um, but yeah, basically once a month for a couple of hours, you meet and get together and share share your writings. Yeah, I, I, that's my sort of night that times because yeah. it's told you off, Mike, me and Amanda, we go to about four a month, we do. And right. a couple of them are like that, basically. It's, it's nice that sort of night because it's where... You feel like you're among friends and the family, aren't you? A family atmosphere. So, That's yeah. Right. Do you feel like you know? Has your writing changed since you started going to this group? Do you think? Um, possibly. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I couldn't sort of say in which way it's changed. Mm. Uh, but I guess you kind of pick up ideas. Um, it's. I've always tried to write um, a variety of poems. Because uh, one of the things, well, say, first 20 years or so of writing, nobody ever read them except my wife. And she said, well, all your poems are, are a bit bit dark, she said. Well, I don't suppose that's unusual amongst poets, <laughs> especially when you're trying to write things that you, you don't necessarily want to say out loud. Um, so that actively made me think about trying to write something with a bit more humour in it. Uh, and another thing I've, I've done, each uh, where I have consistently writing each year at christmas i've sent out a christmas um poem if you like in oh, a great idea. To, to friends and family and so on and it always or, or generally um is, is something because i always like to write with a bit of politics and a bit of social comment in it as well so although it's a christmas theme i've always had you know incorporated some sort of social comment of what's going on at the time uh, apart, apart from when my granddaughters were born, and then I wrote about them just for a change. <laughs> yeah, just to, just to break it up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Myself, yeah. But, but one of the earliest ones was I, I wrote something about uh, Rudolph not wanting to get out of bed for Santa because he was too lazy one year and so on. Uh, so I deliberately tried to inject a bit of humour. So um, I'm not sure that always works. It's not the best thing. It's not the thing I'm best at, perhaps. <laughs> Well, they do say but, Christmas time is silly season, doesn't it? So. Yeah, that's right. But uh, people seem to appreciate them anyway. Um, oh, good. Now, you were telling me before as well, weren't you, that like you self-published a book a few years ago as well, didn't you? So. Yes. Um, I, I'd had one or two poems published in local newspapers when I'd sent them in. And I also, uh, I'd, in a couple of volumes, I think it's... I'm not quite sure you'd actually call them vanity publishing, but it probably uh, where where there was a publishing house a few years ago that advertised for uh, poets to to send in their poems for publication. I'm not sure how much critical judgment went into publishing them. I think they were more interested in just you buying two or three copies of the book when it came out. Yeah, <laughs> so I've got first two books I ever I think I'd published were in those sort of things myself yeah. and. 
Yeah, I don't. So, <laughs> move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, about five years ago, uh, I've been thinking about it for a few years, but for about five years ago, I finally got um, uh, together a, a collection of, of various poems that I'd written and decided to just pay for the printing of it myself, uh, which I did. So, uh, um, yeah, so I, my background is graphic design typesetting. So, oh, is it? Oh, brilliant. Oh yeah, so, you quit, quit in then, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. So I was able to do all the pre-press side of it myself, um, and then just sent it off to and paid for a hundred copies. So I just got a hundred copies printing. It's not been commercially published. I just carry a few copies around with me. Should people be interested in buying? Yeah, yeah. No, I'll get you completely with that. So okay. Oh, great stuff. Okay. Um, got. Um, I was going to ask you four then as well. A couple of quick questions to conclude with then. Obviously, what we haven't talked on before is about your actual style of writing. You've dropped little hints on it for sake. If people are interested in it, do you have any sort of recurring themes that call people to work on? Um, well, maybe if I, if I, if I, I drove, when I did the book, I broke it up into chapters. Mm -hmm. um, sort of, so that would probably give you a flavour. Um, yeah, but then we can, yeah. you can read some out for us in the second half, so yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of uh, that early day, but one chapter is called Reflections on Life. Uh, another one, Love and Spirituality. Um, so I like to sometimes write, well, whether you like to or not, whether I like to or not, sometimes poems just take on their own life. Uh, and so there's a, there's a couple of those sorts of things. I like writing about nature as well. That's another area. I, I'm about butterflies and birds and so on and the beauty of nature. Uh, I've written some on music, I've uh, written um, one on the anniversary of Elvis's death, I, I wrote about Clarence Clemens from the Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band when he died, and so, and, and I've also written about gigs and concerts that I've been to. And I remember doing one about Steve Earle actually, was it last time I saw that's you at Grandy's night, yeah. Yes. I'll ask you to do that one second half, because that, that one I really liked. Okay, yeah. I do like Steve Earle as well, so. <laughs> cool. And then, um, and then uh, you know, the political and social comment, I'm happy to... Uh, express my politics in my poems as well <laughs> my, my thought philosophy indeed so now obviously at the moment i always ask writers to conclude on is um i'd like to ask writers what plans do they have going forward for the work but obviously we're in lockdown still as of speaking so it's very hard to judge isn't it so i know at the moment you're just going going to very couple zoom nights at the moment aren't you and yes. hopefully in a couple of time you'll be able to get back to your boxing group and we'll be solving well Yes, one, one thing I, I have done with the Buxton group, because we can't meet at the moment, I uh, haven't organised any Zoom evenings, but we have crea I've created a blog uh, where members of the group can contribute their own poetry. So that's something, something we can develop in the future as well. Yeah, yeah, great uh, idea. In the future. No, good stuff. So definitely now, uh, I did one thing we haven't covered as well is where, what's the name of your book? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about uh, it for five minutes. <laughs> yes, it, I actually had a title in mind, um, and I had to actually write a poem to fit the title of the book. <laughs> and and the, 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 the book is called Can't See the Wood. That's fine. Now, obviously, if people want to get hold of a copy of this publication, they're best to direct it for yourself then, aren't they? So. Yes. Uh, I also have um, uh, a website uh, with... Um, most of my poems sitting on as well. So okay, what's the website then, Don? It's called www.elusiveillusion. 
www.cooperativeproject.co.uk. And I'll ask you, I'll get to send that across me later on. Brilliant. Yes. And I've also um, created a blog for my own personal poems as well, which also links into the website, which wow. has got more recent poems on it. Great. What's the blog then? The blog is uh, Griffonier, G R I. I'm going to get to send that to me later. I'm just All right, I'll do that. <laughs> no, that, that's a name I made up, uh, Le Griffonier, when I, as a publishing name. Uh, as far as I know, it means. The scribbler in French. Brilliant, brilliant. And <laughs> what's can you send over to me well, the Buxton link as well, so people can look at that Buxton yes. blog as well. Brilliant. Okay, well that's all my questions at the moment, Don. So I'll try to take yeah. a quick break, everybody. Hang around. When we come back, Don's going to do a couple of poems for us, Don. So are you okay with that? Yep. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Hang around. See you all in two minutes, guys. Okay. Take care. me. Hi guys, okie dokie, now we're doing another bit of the podcast I always like doing, because I get time to shut up now and we let the writer, everyone hear how good the writer is, Dom's brilliant, he really is, so over to you Dom, my friend. Thank you Andy, um, first poem I'd like to do is, is one from about 40 years ago, uh, my dad had moved down to the New Forest and I wrote, uh, I wrote it for him because he loved the forest so much, uh, it's called November Forest Frost. The early morning forest glistened in its coat of white, shining frost, sparkling, quiet, hiding all its life. Fox, well-filled, stealthily seeks its warm den. Young rabbit scampers, skates, tumbles down a hole. Deer deep into the trees huddle together, seeking shelter while the dawn brings light. The sun shines in, still cold, but what magic it betrays. Webs of spiders, silken threads, moistened, brightened, jeweled in the rays of golden wonder coming from afar to give the icy crust an illuminating glow, crowning the glory of the morn. Gaining warmth, the sun climbs high, slowly melting away the earth's white coat. Thus revealed are greens and browns, scattering the six-legged miracles of many hues rushing, pushing, swarming over the ground, teeming food for hedgehog, badger, abundantly abound. The day is short and dusk comes early, casting a misty grey cloak, descending low, hiding blackbirds roosting deep in the dense hedgerow. Darkness hastens, coldness grows, forest prepares to don again its cloak of white. That's beautiful. Really, really evocative there, Don, that one. I'll be honest with you, the very piece I wrote 20 years ago, I've been embarrassed to read them out now, I know how bad they were. <laughs> but that, that stood up really well. Really beautiful, beautiful piece, well, that one. So. Some of them are like that. <laughs> <laughs> do you find when you're looking back at some of your early pieces, do you cringe at them sometimes, do you? Um, I'm not, I don't think I actually cringe. I mean, some you realise could be better and some you wonder what you're doing, yes. But uh, generally, I... I quite like most of what I've written. Yeah. That's, that's a lovely piece, I really enjoyed that. So, okay, moving straight on to number two. Okay, uh, the next one is simply called Can You? And it's one of those poems that uh, even perhaps the poet doesn't realise what it's about. Oh, <laughs> always one of those ones that sneaked up on you then, basically, is it? Yes, it just, words just came out. And <laughs> yeah, well, I, so, I do them as well. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I like those as well. Uh, yeah, called Can You? 
Can you hear what I can hear? Can you hear my laughter? Can you see what I can see? No, she said, disaster. Can you feel what I can feel? Can you feel my heartache? Can you see what I can see? No, she said, mistake. Can you fly as I can fly? Can you see my wings? Now, can you see what I can see? Maybe, she said, some things. Can you think as I can think? Can you read my mind? Can you see what I can see? I'll try, she said, I'll try. Can you dream the dream I dream? Can you fly with me? Can you see what I can see? I think, she said, I see. Can you live where I can live? Can you find your man? Now you must see what I can see. Yes, she said, I can. Oh, brilliant. Now you've got a great sense of rhythm in that piece as well. So is that a much newer piece that was? It was caught as a better piece from a while ago as well. That was from about 20 years ago. Yeah. So I love the, love the rhythm and that. It was crazy tight. No, I couldn't stop. Really, really. What you've done, what well, I like. What I like about your words, Don, and I've heard this in a few times I've met you as well, is um, the fact you don't, there's no unnecessary words in your writing. And that's just plain simple good writing. So that was exceptional. Right. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Your third piece, I'm afraid. Okay. Well, this is the one I, I wrote. Um, I've always gone, I've always been a, a rock and blues, rock and roll fan, and uh, uh, one of my heroes or one of the, my favourite artist is Steve Earle um, and I had a friend who was a big fan and he'd never seen him on stage. Um, uh, we went to and he was playing house with Odium so we had tickets to go and unfortunately my friend was ill. Oh! Couldn't go. So uh, I wrote this poem for him after the gig and uh, I actually sent it to him and he had it and he put it in a frame along with his unused ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So it's called Reflections on Hammersmith. Steve and the Dukes were coming on strong, 20 minutes in and nothing but song. No monologues yet, no soliloquies long. But wait, now he's telling us right from wrong. He's against the chair and against the war for electing Bush, couldn't apologize more. Did all we could to get votes out the door. Only thing left, revolution in store. He said, I hear Trevor's not in town. Holiday virus has struck him down. Tell him, Steve said, I'll be coming around. See him next time. We'll make a fine sound. The Dukes were rocking and they knew how. Come, Mr. Earl, and take a bow. Make your music and they will not cow. Spirits like yours. The revolution starts now. Yay. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I could I would I would have been honoured and I'd love that if I'd received that as well. So can't bl can't blame your friend there for being really touched in that one. Has he has he actually seen Steve Hill yet? I mean, friend, has he? Or? Yes, we did actually a few years after that uh, in his hometown. I think he lived in Hampshire in Basingstoke, and he played there. So we both went together to see him eventually. Good. I think you do like it when you get to that sort of moment, and since any any music that's someone you've worshipped for a long time. I know I was like three or four bands I can name I saw for the first time. I stood down and cried my eyes out with two of them as a grown man. You do sometimes. You just there's something in it, isn't yeah. it? Yes, it's the emotion of it, and that's why we that's that's why we love the the music and the poems, and, and yeah, it's uh, yeah, perfect. If it moves oh. you, that's good. Yeah, yeah that's definitely, definitely the right way, of course. So yeah. Okay, onto your fourth piece now, then, Don. Okay, um, this is one from about fifteen years ago when the uh, 
a little bit political this one but when the government was uh, of the time was introducing uh, more and more anti-terror laws and um, uh, putting not imprisoning people but putting people under house arrest for uh, uh, without going through the due court process um, and it's uh, based on the, the line of well if you've got nothing to hide you've got nothing to fear uh, it's called nothing don't be afraid if you've nothing to hide nothing to fear if you're on the right side don't tell me that my protest is wrong nothing to fear if i sing the right song unfurl your banner just don't do it here nothing to hide you've got nothing to fear raise your voice you have freedom to speak but not if your words defend the poor and the weak march to the door of democracy's pride nothing to fear if you've nothing to hide grow a long beard speak irish for sure have a dark skin wear a turban or more but if you've nothing to fear if you've nothing to hide defend your rights but you know the score stray just too close and you're pinned to the floor innocent you claim prove it they say all of your rights they've taken away battles were fought by our forebears with pride freedoms have gone but we have nothing to hide our government's shame with no sign of a tear the terrorist gain of all we hold dear but if you've nothing to hide you have nothing to fear yeah i like the repetition of that was that quite a difficult piece to write that one was it because all the it's repetition of the rhythm in it so yeah i i somebody asked me the other day about um uh, we're talking about rewriting and going back and, and playing about mm. the poems after you've written them i've always tended to write do a lot of thinking about what about the theme i want to write about but once i actually start to put it on paper it almost comes in one go oh, that's, uh, that's good going now and that's just you know i rarely go back and rewrite yeah yeah i'm the way around as um because i've just gone reissued the first book from 10 years ago yeah. and i've got to 10 year anniversary and i thought i'll reissue it but then i'd look at it and i thought oh good grief i thought no i can't that i can't that and i was just <laughs> doing them um, being very sensitive and it's saying right give it a new look of paint but i think sometimes you need to and you're yours an item <laughs> but good stuff anyhow okay on to the grand finale now Don. yes well this is a fairly personal poem uh, which i wrote um last year um uh, on the anniversary of d-day or around the anniversary of d-day because my, my dad was a d-day veteran he uh, he was he went up the beaches on d-day and uh he's he died 30 odd years ago now but obviously he came through the war otherwise i wouldn't be here <laughs> but course, so this yeah. is a personal poem um about his experience then uh, it's called 18 years 10 months and 19 days 18 years 10 months and 19 days my dad on a bloody beach bullets flying shells crashing comrades falling all around my dad was 18 years, 10 months and 19 days old when he landed on sword or maybe on gold, but still the bullets flew and still his comrades fell alongside this brave and frightened lad. I cannot imagine, I cannot comprehend the hell he must have seen, the blood, the bodies, the bits of flesh and pieces of brain, their bravery meant it was not in vain. 
What were you doing when you were 18 years, 10 months and 19 days old? What was I doing when I was 18 years, 10 months and 19 days old? I know what I was not doing. I was not putting my life on the line to keep our country free. But my dad was, and he came back, fortunately for me. Like many, he did not say much, and I didn't ask enough while he was still here with me. He told some stories. He told of a spent bullet nestling in his tunic. He told of comrades falling to either side. But most of what he felt, most of what he saw, most of those horrors could never be told. And he was only 18 years, 10 months, and 19 days old. Perfect. Perfect, man. I can well relate to that one, and I'll tell you why in a minute. <laughs> but off mic, but no, brilliant. Okay. Great way of that, Don, because I think what you've done is um, you've given us some of your older pieces, but to finish off with a real up-to-date piece, a good way of bringing things full circle. That was tremendous. Thank you for that. Really okay. touched me that, did I? I don't say that often. <laughs> well, well, I hope that's uh, sort of given a bit of variety. Yeah, it's perfect. So, right, hang around, Dean. Quick early off mic. Well, it's been brilliant. Thank you today, Don. Really, real pleasure. I've really, really enjoyed it. Well, it's a pleasure doing it. As always, guys, we're in for uncertain times at the moment, so look after yourselves and thank you again for listening. Stay safe and, if possible, stay sane. And this is Andy N. signing out. See you all soon, guys. Take care. Spock, mate.